0: Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez.
1: And I'm Brad Binkley.
0: Our top story, Kyle Rittenhouse, the Kenosha shooter, the young Kenosha shooter, the 18-year-old, was found not guilty on all counts. And weird things kind of surrounded that reading of the... The verdict by the jury, the judge, All I was getting, I was listening to Fox headline news and the judge, first of all, he stumbles around a lot when he talks. It's not, it doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence. I don't know why it's like that, but yeah, you're right. A a little Biden-y. So, but the overriding feeling I got listening to Fox headline news was that the jurors were in danger, that they had that freelance writer from MSNBC. Uh, no, sorry. A freelance writer, supposedly, they suspect, and the judge kind of said, well, what else would you think that was following the bus that had jurors in it? And then today, the bus had the windows blacked out so nobody could see the jurors. And then the judge told the jurors there's a lot of police presence in this room, as you see, but we're gonna whisk you right out of here so you're not in any danger and you can respond to requests for media, but uh, you don't have to, you don't have to talk to anybody. There was just a real sense of tension and it made you wonder if you're, I mean, if he was trying to do that on purpose. But for me, this whole thing seems super fake. It just seems fake to me, like a staged event. And I started, as I was listening, I thought, you know, I mean, as my mother says, you think everything is fake. And I, and then, of course, Trump comes along with fake news, and she's telling me everything is fake. But anyway, so I just, you know, you question your own sanity sometimes when you just think, I mean, is everything really fake? And his blubbering on the stand, it did look fake. So I just thought, you know, I don't know. Well he cried
1: when they read the verdict too. He broke down.
0: I didn't um Yeah, I didn't I didn't actually see it, so I'm not sure, but uh but as I was thinking, like, you know, I don't know, maybe I should give it the benefit of the doubt, the news chick mentioned that they were, big T, they, in my opinion, were handing out cookies to protesters to try to keep them calm. And it just freaking hit me like a ton of bricks that that's exactly what Victoria Nuland did with the protesters in the Maidan as she was plotting the coup to overthrow the democratically elected president of Ukraine. And it's also similar to what Catherine Ashton said when another Ukraine event was brought to her attention. And someone was saying, hey, it's really weird. Snipers were shooting both sides as if they were trying to get a riot going. She was like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, uh, Well, let's all bring, uh, be sure they bring flowers to the places where everybody was killed. Like, you really need to make sure they understand certain things. So those kind of optics, those kind of behaviors are part of psychological operations i'm not saying this one is necessarily but they are so then i was like wow okay that's weird then when i went and was checking my twitter feed real light sleeper sent me a picture which i had seen a long time ago but forgot of kyle rettenhouse wearing purple latex gloves while he was shooting did you ever see that picture
1: i I did i have an idea of why he might have been they speculate
0: Feel free, but I, if we're going to look at this as a potential psychological operation, that would be... First of all, it's weird. It's I've never seen that before. And well, really he was a medic. A
1: Those were medical gloves, and he was prefer-
0: Oh, he was there as a medic?
1: That's what he said on the stand, is he was there and he was helping a bunch of people in a medical capacity, rendering first aid.
0: Okay, well... For me, the only reason to wear those kind of gloves is if you're changing them frequently. So if you're going to hold a gun with them, those are medically irrelevant. You have to take them off before you're going to do a medical thing.
1: If you're d- using them properly, yes. And I will say that most people don't use latex gloves properly.
0: I agree with you, but a guy, he's he was not doing medical things. He was handling the gun. And... The gloves are out of place in that picture and they may be there to uh, identify who he was in the pictures. Like, I don't know what the purpose of it was, but it was weird. You know, weird stuff piled up together just seems weird to me. It contributes to my skepticism that the story is, is totally authentic.
1: The whole thing is weird. It's definitely weird. As somebody who has worn a lot of medical gloves, you just leave them on when you're switching out. And, like, drive out. your car and stuff? Well, you leave have them on. Have you ever on.
0: worn them driving your car?
1: <laughs> I probably have, actually, but not as, like, a conscious thing. You're working on something, and then you just leave them on, but then when you go to do something if that if you needed to be sanitized, then you throw them away, you wash your hands, you change them at the last second. That's the way that I... Always use them anyway. Because sometimes, just like all this stuff's dirty, you're moving around, just leave the gloves on until you need to, you know, really have some fresh ones on. I don't know if that's what he's doing. It did look weird. I definitely agree there. And the police officers. That I I saw some police officers tweeting that they had donuts, like you said, and water they were handing out to everybody to try and keep the peace. And all the comments underneath it were just like, F you, where were you when they needed protection? So nobody, the way I saw that at first, I was like, well, at least somebody's trying to do something nice. But maybe it is more along the lines of of what you're saying and keeping the peace while they're planning some sort of coup. I find the timing interesting that the. Aubrey case is supposed to going to go to the jury next week.
0: The the thing about the cookies, Victoria Newland was giving them to the protesters to show that she was on their side.
1: Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, that is interesting. And the blacked out windows were also put there. This is what they said anyway, so that the jurors couldn't see people holding signs up when they passed by, which oh, I found that pretty interesting. That's
0: not... They actually reported a different rationale on yeah. the news this morning to ramp up that feeling of tension yeah. surrounding the jurors.
1: And I think that they were also... Your kept explanation
0: saying, sounds more accurate.
1: Yeah. They kept saying the judge is the one who banned the MSNBC reporter. Every report said that. It seems like to kind of say demonize him in a sense, or, you know, say he's a hero on the other side, but he's not the one that did it. He clearly says during the trial, he says, I've been instructed that MSNBC reporters will not be allowed back in the courtroom. Yet every report said the judge banned MSNBC reporters. No, he didn't. He was instructed that they were I wonder by whom. I mean, he is really the Lord over that courtroom. It's course, really strange. His behavior. That's weird. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's weird. That's a strange thing to say.
1: It is. I watched it like three times because I would keep hearing a report yeah. from a news thing. I say, did I hear that wrong? And I go back and watch the judge clearly said he was instructed. Even if he said requested, I would understand it. But instructed is. Really yeah, somebody fishy. ordered him to do it. Another trial, which is going a little bit under the radar, is the, a trial in Charlottesville right now against the organizers of the 2017 Unite the Right rally. This is in federal court. Did you know that this trial was going on? No, I,
0: I haven't heard of this.
1: So, right now, an extremism expert, they're having these series of experts, Southern Poverty Law Center type people, come up on the stand. And what they're doing is they're trying to teach the jurors in this Charlottesville case the ways in which white supremacists employ humor to shield their calls for violence in an effort to render them legally ambiguous. So, wait, what? They are teaching the jury how white supremacists employ humor to shield their calls for violence. Wow. In an effort to... Yeah.
0: They're telling them to hear things that... the opposite of what they're hearing.
1: Yes. They're telling them, here's how you decode the language. Here's... They say this is humor. Here's what it actually means. And it says in the article that as the jurors consider the plaintiff's accusations that the rally organizers conspired to foment racial violence, they have been presented with a trove of evidence that includes messages laced with slurs, memes of using cars to run over protesters, and calls for cracking skulls. Over the past four weeks, plaintiffs' attorneys have tried to make their case by carefully breaking down the jokes and catchphrases favored by far-right extremists in an effort to teach jurors how to decode white supremacist secret vocabulary of hate.
0: Is this a civil trial?
1: Yes, it's a civil trial.
0: Yeah, because a plaintiff is usually so it's a much lower standard, and if it were a criminal trial, I would, ass- I I think you would have a hard time imputing someone's meaning based on how other people use slang and stuff. But in a civil trial, the standard's way lower.
1: Yeah, and I think that this one going under the radar speaks more to what's really going on, which you pointed out a long time ago on social media and in this trial proceeding. And that's the censorship of intent, the censorship of what's in your mind as opposed to the actions, the hate speech type stuff under the guise of coded language because we hear so much about coded language. And yes, there is coded language. People do code their language. But when we get down to the idea of Looking for humor. Humor is hate speech. This is so interesting because
0: they had the right roll it out with the Pizzagate thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they did. Interesting. And we got, what's that program called on Google? Jigsaw? Yeah, that guy. And that Jigsaw, one of the heads of Jigsaw is also one of the commissioners and experts on that Report that Prince Harry worked on, where they are identifying the problems and solutions to counter the disinformation on all the social media platforms. They are really going after humor. And as we can see with Colbert and others, the type of humor they promote, like the SNL with the worst Joe Rogan parody of all time this past weekend. We see what humor they will allow, which is not humor.
0: Years ago, when Jigsaw first got on my radar, especially since the guy who runs it was just a whippersnapper with an insane resume. He was so young, but he just like hit the ground running that guy, Cohen. I forget his name, but they talked about the first time it came to my attention. It was how they were trying to detect sarcasm in comments. So they were putting, they put it out there long before the narrative became that boogaloo boys or proud boys or whatever would try to use it for coded communication so it was on their agenda before this perfect opportunity to show how it hurts people you know sticks and stones can break your bones and words can kill you like to justify this stuff it's funny because it you know it was a cry it was a It was a solution looking for a crisis.
1: Yeah. And reading through this case, there's obviously some bad people that were involved that looked like they were provocateurs and obviously saying things that seemed racist that they can pull out and then kind of blanket say anything else that you can even kind of associate with this is also going to be racist coded language. I think this is kind of a a precedent being set here that's going a little bit under the radar. It's a case to keep an eye on. So this new website shows how silly NFTs are. That's what its goal is anyway. So NFTs are non-fungible tokens, are unique tokens on a blockchain linked to digital collectibles, such as a JPEG. This is the way they describe it in the article. And they've ignited a culture war between NFT fans and, quote, right-clickers, who are people who mock NFT collectors by right-clicking on their JPEGs and then saving them onto their hard drive. (laughs) So, you know, non-fungible is important
0: because a fungible token like Ray is something that you can use as money. But a non-fungible token, I I think that the whole essence of fungibility is that you can use it.
1: Right. You cannot use it. And I think this is interesting because I think this is going to be a point of contention. I actually asked a question about this last week on the show. You know, how are they going to handle it when people just copied and saved it? Oh, my gosh.
0: it's intellectual. I hate intellectual property. It's the worst. And this is just going to be another example. Of they actually act like it's stealing when you put it out there.
1: Right. And here's what this artist did. He's a programmer and artist from Australia. And he's uploaded 15 terabytes of NFTs to a server and encouraging these right clickers to download them in order to demonstrate that owning a digital piece of art online is basically meaningless. And what he did is he created a new torrent site that he calls NFT Bay. Do you remember Pirate Bay? Did you ever use Pirate Bay? Or Well, actually, no. don't ever admit that. Are you familiar with Pirate Bay? Pirate no, Bay no, not at all. Pirate is a torrent site. It's one of the biggest and oldest torrent sites that people would go to, and they would pirate TV shows, books, movies, software, because they had all the torrents. It would, it was, I don't know how it works. But he created an NFT site that just mimics that exact site and tells people, come get your... NFTs that people are spending bunches of money on, here's what he said about it. He said people are dropping millions on instructions on how to download images. That's why you can right-click Save As because they are standard images. The image is is not stored on the blockchain. The image is not stored in the blockchain contract. As Web 2.0 web hosts are known to go offline, this handy torrent contains all the NFTs so that future generations can study this generation's tulip mania and collectively go WTF, we destroyed our planet for this. So that's his reasoning behind it. So he he's saying that even though they claim to be on blockchain, they find themselves downloadable in other ways on the Internet, and he's creating a centralized database for that. So he'll probably get sued. Who knows?
0: Oh, yeah. No, my guess is that this is going to set a precedent for how to enforce NFTs as property. They're going to start calling it. Maybe they do already. Probably intellectual property patented, and it's just such a unreasonable use of resources and and um, force. And then it also they use piracy. So terrorism was what they used. So there was CISPA and SOPA. There, there were the two big internet laws that they tried to pass and tried to pass and could not pass. One was you said because of terrorism we need surveillance and. The other one was because of piracy, we need... I think that was justifying censorship. Like they would shut down sites and need back doors and everything. So if this is like widespread piracy fears, it will just... So they couldn't get the laws passed, so they just use these Black Swan events to just make emergency measures and things get changed. So I, I assume this will lead to some kind of... um justification for a lot of surveillance, backdoors, interference, enforcement, you know, enforcement. And maybe it's a precursor. I think this is obvious of how what you said yesterday about the Fed chair bringing law to the metaverse. And then you just got somebody sent us a a priest. What what did the priest do, like bless the metaverse or would perform a ceremony inside the metaverse? Like they're just immediately making it real.
1: Yeah. And. All these companies are jumping in. They're investing in metaverse projects. We talked about Nike. I saw a handful of other companies yesterday make statements. We have the arenas naming themselves after crypto related stuff, baseball, NBA football. They're all getting involved in it. And it's not just companies and corporations. Governments, as we saw with the first embassy, Barbados, are trying to get a foothold in the metaverse because it's the new, it's the new land grab. It's like colon- the digital colonization, maybe.
0: We We're going chi- to talk about that on our next Zoom party. If yeah, you want to have-
1: be a patron saint
0: just for a month and be part of that Zoom party, go ahead and you can just cancel it after it's over. But it's going to be November 27th.
1: So China is trying to get a foothold into the metaverse as a way to increase their power in the physical world globally. You know, via the metaverse, they have a recent report by a Chinese think tank addresses the national security implications of the metaverse. The report emphasizes the issues of political security stemming from the countries enjoying first mover advantage in the shift to the metaverse, while nations with less digital prowess may face the risk of being eliminated. So the first movers with the high tech stuff right now taking control over it eliminating the other countries by having this, at least the way that I'm starting to see it, having such a global economy operating within the metaverse.
0: So you're saying Barbados is going to be the next superpower. Barbados, I think, is the (laughs) pilot
1: example. (laughs) You know, it's
0: really a shame, too, because Barbados has some unbelievably delicious rum. And like the one thing... The one big problem with the metaverse is that you can't taste anything. I just feel like Barbados is really going to lose its comparative advantage.
1: (laughs) Well, right now you can't taste anything. Facebook has released information and videos about its new haptic sensors, its gloves where you can feel stuff, and that is the ultimate goal: is to give you the ability to touch, taste, and feel all of the senses that we have in the real world.
0: Maybe absorbing the spike protein. In and destroying your sense of taste and smell is a receptor
1: nanobots. Maybe that's <laughs> some what's people, in make there. I'm not about, kidding.
0: Yeah, I mean there's something weird going on. But or if you just destroy taste and smell, then the metaverse has really no profound disadvantage.
1: Wow, that is interesting. And they have done that in a lot of ways. There's people who haven't gotten their totally. smell by millions of Americans still yeah, do think, not have their. I think two
0: boosters smell. a year will probably uh, result in some of that.
1: Yeah. To one of these Chinese state officials, he said that, by, that they can seize the opportunity in this future global competition by ensuring that both private and state tech firms proactively stake out strategic positions in the metaverse industry so that they overtake competitors on the bend. So they're staking it out. The metaverse wars are here. Very interesting. I, another
0: interesting thing I found um, on a different topic. I'm sorry to... Uh, change subjects, but I, I, I haven't heard anybody mention this. A patron sent it to us. Hat tip to you. I don't want to out him, but he knows who he is. CL. That a, so you remember William Shatner and three other passengers went up in that Blue Origin spaceship a week or two ago? Maybe two weeks ago? One of those guys, I'll read. Uh, A guy named Glenn DeVries. I'll read you from the New York Times article at the time. It said, who are the other three people on the ship with William Shatner? And it says, fortunately for all three, none will be wearing a red Starfleet uniform during flight. You get the joke, right?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because
0: uh, there's the ones that die first. Guess what, though?
1: One of them died?
0: Not a week later.
1: Oh, my god. This guy,
0: Glenn DeVries, 49, made the historic flight to the edge of space last month with William Shatner. He was one of two men killed in a single engine crash on Thursday. And that's terrible, but it's weird that this guy co-founded a software company called Metadata, Medi, Medical Metadata Solutions, which specializes in management of electronic data from clinical trials. And they did a lot of COVID work. I'm going to put the link in the...
1: That is interesting.
0: Because those trials are fishy.
1: Did you see where somebody requested the FOIA request for some of the data and they were told that it would take 55 years to get all the data?
0: Oh, that's interesting because people are still alive. But I wouldn't think that the government would necessarily have all the data. But the thing that's really fishy to me or a real tell and uh, actually the mother of a nurse, the mother listens to our show and said her daughter was going to take the vaccine. But then she did her research and found that. And then I later discovered that this is not unusual in trials. If people start getting sick in the beginning of the trials, they get dismissed
1: yeah, just think so, about that.
0: So, you know, so so the that's bad why, effects
1: aren't even included. Right.
0: So the side effects, if you're starting the side effects don't get count. I mean, that is fraud. I mean criminal fraud. But anyway, I don't I don't know anything about um if this guy knew too much. I mean, my thinking is that he probably just knew too much.
2: Perhaps. I don't know.
0: Anyway, so Uh, There are a few other little COVID vaccine related things. One is the did you see this, that Antonio Brown was accused of or busted for a fake vaccine card? He says it's a football player. Yeah. Buccaneers. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I saw that. I I didn't go to the story. I didn't see that headline.
0: Yeah, so uh, there isn't too much to it. It's just that he asked his, I think his girlfriend asked their chef, the personal chef, to get them a, fa- a fake vaccine cards for $500, which is just shows what universe they live in. That's a ripoff. But anyway, so, um, they um but he wanted the J&J because it's just one shot. It's actually probably easier. I don't even know if they give J&J anymore, but it's easier to fake it when it's just one shot because... Then you don't have to like get matching numbers like on the exact right dates and all that. I don't know. I mean, I think that was the idea behind that. Um, The chef outed him because he has a dispute with Brown over a ten thousand dollar bill. And the chef uh, outed him. Wow. Yeah. yeah, Well, he probably tried to blackmail him. Like, is my guess. But the
1: chef is the
0: one who's guilty of distributing. He didn't do it. Oh, Oh, right. I guess he didn't do it. I guess he didn't do it.
1: So then he must not have had it. And so he's either outing himself or he actually did not deliver the. Right. Or and maybe the implication you're supposed to presume that Brown went
0: and got it himself somewhere else. But that's very interesting. Uh, And but then, of course, the damn story says Brown has a long history of legal trouble, including two sexual misconduct allegations and a half dozen lawsuits over failure to pay staff. So it's possible that guy went out of his way to set him up because of a, of the maybe a pre-existing financial dispute. But yeah. yeah, you're right. He can't have actually delivered, and he has a card. So maybe he just didn't want to and was exploring his
1: options. That's very do- interesting because you're not going to ask somebody for a black market item unless that person in your mind and your experience is schooled in getting black market items that are illegal
0: maybe he just offered but uh but it was in the text where the girl says the girlfriend says that do you have the COVID cards something yeah. like that and i don't know he said i'll try i can try uh so i do have lots more but uh we can bring it to the xr and on with the rest of the show.
1: All right, before we get to that last big story of the 330, which is going to be about how the DOJ turns the Constitution on its head, I want to tell you about what we're going to talk about in the XR, which is the language of the metaverse. And Kamala Harris became the first woman president today. Details on that and why it would have worried Ronald Reagan. I also would like to thank the sponsor of today's show. The Rye Guys.
2: Do you love freedom? Does the daily news leave you shaking your head? Does mindless conformity give you the heebie-jeebies? Are you surrounded by people who just don't get it? Are you right now wearing clothes? You over there, yes you, do you like cool clothes? Well, meet the Rye Guys, makers of fun, freedom-loving t-shirts and more, quality products for independent thinkers and other such troublemakers. We make each of our handcrafted tees with equal parts satire, mischief, and rye social commentary. Put on one of our tees and you'll meet kindred spirits, share a laugh, and enjoy Great conversation. Take off one of our tees, and well, we're not here to judge you. We support liberty, peace, and voluntary solutions to societal ills. And you have our word our products are never tested on animals other than sacred cows. So stop by today at www.ryguys.com. That's w-r-y-g-u-y-s.com. Ryguys.com. The Ryguys. A rye wit for today's sh.
1: Check them out. Ryguys. Promo code PROP10. Also, if you want to help us grow the show, expand, go over to iTunes or whatever your podcasting platform is and give us a five-star review. Leave us a nice comment that warms our hearts, makes us feel good, and keeps us motivated and also helps us show up in the search engine rankings. We need to get as much exposure as possible before we get canceled because that's always a possibility, especially this day and age with the social media censorship coming down from Prince Harry himself and others. (laughs) But it also definitely makes us feel good. So go over, do that. Leave us a nice review. We'd love to hear from you. And check out the propreport.com. There's a lot of great products on the website that Monica put together. Great new T-shirts and new colors. Black, blue are the yep, new so colors Yeah, we still to have added.
0: gray. Lots of different sizes. I've got um, the laptop stickers, which are fun, too. And I definitely put anything that we... Any margin we make on that, I put it right back into more merch. I just want, I just like to get the logo out there. And as a matter of fact, if you have a uh, a meetup or a farmer's market or something, I will send you one free and give you a shout out. So give me a uh, drop me a line on that, the propaganda at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, I like to stick those stickers, those propaganda report stickers on message boards and stuff that. Get a lot of exposure. <laughs> Bathroom stalls. It's a physical sticker. Yeah, I know. Okay. I know. But at least a at least person whose boss tells them they have to remove it sees propaganda. Don't and I they don't go like that
0: because then it looks like we have bad mannered people.
1: Only put it where people allow you to promote materials. There.
0: there you go. I like it. And actually, I had one gal who worked in a bar, and she asked me for like those disposable Propaganda Report coasters. So I sent her a whole big box of them, and the bar uses Propaganda Report book.
1: <laughs> <coasters>. That's awesome. <laughs> Isn't I love that, that cool? Yeah. I know. I love it. All right. Well, now on to the final story of the Free 30.
0: The last big story of the Free 30 is that Blinken, the... <sighs> Blinken. No, Blinken was talking about sending vaccines to poor countries with no strings attached. I nearly fell off my chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what he actually said was no political strings attached, which is hilarious. It's just like, well, just genetically modify every person in your country and, and you don't have to do anything else. Thanks. So, but that isn't the story. The story is that Garland, Merrick Garland, who's the department, the attorney general, he's that, that, reports to that is part of the Department of Justice and the FBI, they are allocating $139 million to help bolster police departments across the U.S. with grant funding given to 183 law enforcement agencies. And I just want to tell you a couple of things that I don't like about this. They're, they're citing that a big reason for this is defunding the police, the hostility towards police since George Floyd. And then as a footnote I heard on the news, but I don't even know if they acknowledge that, that vaccine mandates are decimating the ranks or worse of, of public employment institutions across the country. So I will say I absolutely identified as soon as that defund the police thing came down, that all you're doing when you take money away from locals Is you're inviting, you're creating a, what will be described as, whether it's true or not, a vacuum that the federal government will then say they have to fill. And that's what they're doing. So this isn't, this isn't shoring up your local authorities. This is nationalizing the police, if not literally de facto. And how do I absolutely know that this has an impact? Because we see the impact that Biden's mandate on small, on private companies that contracts with the government, how that, what an impact that has. Imagine this, where it's another government governmental institution like Southwest Airlines, only has 3% of its revenue coming from government contracts, yet they totally capitulated, probably because of behind the scenes stuff, but totally capitulated when Biden said anyone who has a government contract has to force their employees to get vaccinated or Leave the company. So you see that whoever pays the piper calls the tune. That's for sure. I think it is totally unconstitutional because the DOJ is unconstitutional already. The 10th Amendment puts all the police powers, which encompasses a lot, but definitely the police at the state level, local really you lose the control you use the culture you use accountability lose accountability use transparency how do you think these high ranking like pedophiles and stuff get caught because there are different layers of policing and then after we talked to PQ the other day i don't know if it was in the free hour or like the XR45 whatever it was And he was, he made the statement, and I'm sure he's not the first person to make it, but it really sunk in that a sheriff, for example, is the most powerful elected official in the country. I mean, I was talking about the judge being kind of the king of that courtroom. If the, if the, you don't have local law enforcement, or worse, you have law, legal resistance and resistance of law enforcement on the ground, it's almost like a, A parallel with the consent of the governed, you cannot cram stuff down if you have an armed force that resists that unconstitutional federal, I'm not even going to call it an authority, entity. This is bad.
1: Yeah, if you capture that guy, that most influential guy who might be your biggest obstacle, then you've removed that obstacle and they attach all these purse strings to it, essentially threatening and bribing them with their big dollars and their power.
0: Kind of like the DAs that Soros was capturing, probably.
1: That's exactly what it feels like to me. It feels like a communist-type takeover. The methods used, I know anybody can use the methods, but that's what it feels like.
0: Well, it's interesting because you have to listen to the whole thing. I'm not going to get into it, but what Pete was talking about, about local taking back the local control or making sure you secure local control Obviously, that's what they're doing, Big T. They and and I always say libertarians die by the sword, but they don't live by it. I mean, it's worth listening to that. I'm not trying to promote it. I just it was a little bit like it made me think in a new way, and this is part of that thinking.
1: Interesting. All right. Well, do we have any shout outs for today? I'm not
0: organized enough for today's shout outs. Right. I have to go through a lot of DMs, but I am. But I did. You know what? People have been emailing me. I think there is going to be a bit of a crowd on December 9th in Atlanta for Robbie Bernstein's um, right. end of the year thing. So I know I actually, I think maybe my North Carolina moms, who I love, uh, they might be having a road trip down there. I mean, we even we had some people drive down when we had the neighbors meet up. It might be a little mini propaganda report thing. Yeah, I might check that out. Where is that again? Do you oh, call? yeah. I'll put the Eventbrite thing. It's in Atlanta for sure, but I'll put the invitation in the show notes today.
1: All right. Fantastic. All right. Well, you guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to the extra content that we publish every time we post a DMB. You can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and check out the tiers there. You can also go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report and see our offerings there as well. Have a fantastic weekend, and we will talk to you in the DMB XR.